beautiful souls. It is so good to have you with us again. And today we are somewhat closing out our little trifecta because the last couple of weeks we've been talking about athletes and we've talked about behavioral styles with athletes and mindset zones. And we're going to close it out with talking about nutrition and how important fueling the body as an athlete is. And we have our very first guest, Stephanie Rock, who's a certified sports nutritionist who actually focuses with youth athletes. And so we're so excited to have her with us today. And so we hope you enjoy. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. We're so excited to have you back with us um, for the next edition of the Daily Pour. We're, this is an extra special day, right, Kim? Because we yes. have our very first guest. Woo! Yay! <laughs> We're so excited. Um, I feel so big time. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but we have our first, our first guest. Her name is Stephanie Rock. I'm going to let her introduce herself. But her and I met actually, oddly enough, through Instagram. And, you know, through our journey to help make athletes' lives better, <laughs> we found each other and we've done a couple things together um, since then. We've known each other, I guess, virtually for about a year now. Um, and, you know, we're both very supportive of each other and the work that we do. Um, but we're going to be talking about nutrition today. And I'm so, so, so excited to dive deeper into this. Um, so Stephanie, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and then we'll get rolling. Well, I am so excited to be here and I am honored to be the first guest here on the daily four so yeah i'm stephanie rock and i am a certified sports nutritionist but i specialize in youth and teen athletes so kind of taking that transition of you know the information that's out there for adults and and, and having to apply it to the way it works for you know our, our younger athletes to facilitate not only their performance but their growing bodies as well so rock performance is is all about you know their fueling them for their game, but also helping to, to support their growth and their future health. Yeah. And I love that so much because it's so important. And I think it's one of those things that's kind of overlooked too, um, as you know, maybe we'll get into that in a little bit, uh, you know, fueling an, an adult is much different than fueling a younger person. Um, and then you add the athlete on top of that and, and so on and so forth. There's a lot of different layers. And I love the way that you explain things and break things down. Um, and, I, and I think it's great. You're really an expert in both areas, which is awesome. So because I mean, you have to know about the overall nutrition to be able to know how to specialize, right? So why don't we just start with um, just generally speaking, maybe you can because I, I mean, I get questions like this all the time. But like, you know, a couple episodes ago, we talked about different ways that we can continue to pour into ourselves and um, how to self-reflect and, and be self-aware and how to identify when things are working for us, when things are not working for us, um, what makes us feel good, what makes us not feel good. And a huge part of that is food. Um, you know, and if I think about my own personal experience, I became lactose intolerant when I went to school, when I went to college because of all the stress and all that stuff, right? But I really had to kind of start to keep track of what I was eating and um, eat things that didn't hurt my stomach, <laughs> you know, and avoid the things that did. So I don't know, maybe you can kind of talk to us a little bit on the basics, the, you know, what to do, what not to do type stuff um, on how to make sure that we're properly fueling ourselves each and every day. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're exactly right. The way we fuel has a huge impact on, on the way we feel. And, you know, just from a, a focus standpoint, from just a body and health standpoint. And I think, you know, there's so much misinformation and crazy marketing out there that we really don't know what to believe, where to go. 
And part of, I think, some of the situations that we see to make it so much more challenging is that we have this whole food-like culture where, you know, the stuff on our shelves, the stuff, you know, we find in most of our stores, it's sort of food-ish. Now, I'm not to say anything is, is good or bad. I don't label foods in that manner. You know, cheese fries are delicious. Pizza's great. They have their time and place. But we know when we start to kind of overindulge in that area, we feel a little lethargic. Our energy starts to wane. Our, our focus definitely d decreases. So the more we're looking at foods that don't necessarily have a label, whether it's you know your, more of your fruits and vegetables and your produce, you start to see these changes. What becomes tricky is that the you know, we hear a lot about food allergies and with food allergies, we have these like immediate reaction. You know, it could be anything from hives and welts to anaphylactic. But when we look at food sensitivities, which really plays into sometimes our food additives, the, the response can be very delayed. So it's like two or three days later, mm -hmm. then you start to feeling, you know, whether it's just feeling tired, feeling fatigued, feeling, you know, headaches. And we don't really necessarily remember to associate it back to what we've eaten because it was so long ago. And if we're dealing with kids, they're thinking what they 10 minutes ago, not you know even two hours ago. So it kind of becomes this whole transition thing, but really starting to take ownership of our food and our choices rather than we've gotten into this culture of these big businesses saying, oh, here, you know what? We'll take fueling off your hands. We'll take feeding your family off your hands. We'll make this nice and convenient. And it's convenient for their pockets, but it's not convenient for our health and our, our general well-being. So the more we can start to empower ourselves, and even if it's just making one meal a day in our homes, it doesn't have to be gourmet, it doesn't have to be anything elaborate, but taking that ownership of what we put into our bodies really makes a huge difference in how we feel. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, go ahead, Kim. Yeah, so one of the things uh, in terms of just the here all the time, and I have always not felt this way, is you know breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And I don't feel well during the day if I eat a, a significant quote unquote breakfast. Now I'm okay if I have like a, a bite or two of something, like you know, a half a bar or something like that. It's something that's does that's not going to weigh me down or make me feel like I've just eaten something, you know, big. Like I don't do well if I was to make a big breakfast in the morning. It just I would feel lethargic the whole day. So what what is that whole idea around, you know, breakfast is the most important meal? You know, and, and I think that's a really good indication to or a really good point there where you're making that you know how your body feels in the morning if you were to, to have a big breakfast. So it is, it's very individualized as well. And it, the premise there with breakfast is, you know, it'd be like you've gone these six, seven, 10 hours without eating. And it's almost like getting in your car, then on an empty tank of gas, and then deciding to, you know, drive across country. You're not going to get very far. You're going to be crossing your fingers, hoping you make it to the next, you know, station before, so you can fill up. Now, for some people, even just having a few bites of something, at least it gets them on the road. It gets them moving. They can make it to, hey, I can make it to, you know, 10 miles down the road and, and fill up there. For some people, it's, you know, they're waking up. I need to fuel. I need to be prepared for the rest of my day. So it does become individual. When we look at kids, it does take a little bit of a different format because not only are they, you know, if we're looking at athletes, they're not only just looking to have this consistent energy to fuel their game, there's so much happening in their bodies for growth. And what we forget a lot is we look at our kids 
you know, my kids now, oh my God, my kids are like 19 and 20 now. This is ridiculous. Um, but even when they were younger, they're they're taller than me. They they look like adults, and we forget that the brain's still developing till they're 25. Their bodies are still filling out, they're still changing. So even though they look like adults, there's so much happening even within that teenage body, even into you know late 20s. So that idea of breakfast or having something to eat, most important as far as it having to be your biggest meal of the day, no way. You know, I, I, I don't follow that principle at least, but I do believe that having at least something that's going to substantiate the way your body works, whatever your next filling station will be, it is really important to cut that, that nighttime fast and all those hours you've gone without fueling the body. Yeah. Okay. That's an interesting um, maybe question to ask is about fasting because we hear, I don't know if that's just a fad or, I mean, I can't do it. <laughs> like it's, I, I like to see, but I do. And I love it. I feel when I'm fasting up to a point when I intermittent fasting, I know we're going to talk more about youth athletes and that has not, you know, their fasting is not for them, but just in general, like I feel clear headed. I don't feel foggy. I feel light on my feet. I, the, and the worst possible thing for me always is too many carbs and eating too much at one time. I, I like intuitively my body just goes to shit. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm the same way as it, like with too many carbs and eating a huge giant meal. Like I just want to go to sleep thus. Yeah. And I'm done. It's like, I'm four months pregnant, like in two minutes and I just want to lay down like a beach whale. And like, I can't even think anymore. It's terrible. (laughs) Yeah. That's for sure. But I, but with that being said, I yeah. can't not eat. Like I, if I don't eat, I feel weak and shaky. Like I'm going to fall down. Like my brain isn't as sharp. I'm not as focused. Like, I, you know, so is this one of those things that it's just very individualized for people or is there something to be said for the intermittent fasting, you know, I've read about like with keto and stuff and doing the fasting for, I don't even know how many hours, like ridiculous. I, I hear anything longer than like eight hours. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'll easily, I'll easily go like 14, 15 hours. Oh God. I can't oh. do that. <laughs> yeah. I always say a hungry stuff is not good for anybody. <laughs> but, but I know though, when I'm hungry, my body knows, but then I eat. And I eat. It's like, I'm not like, oh my God, I'm starving. And I go, go, and I, no, no, no. Are you kidding? No, it's not like a, I'm not punishing myself. I'm not, not pouring into myself. I'm just like, I just know how I feel. Anyway, I've learned, I've done it long enough to know like what works for me and what doesn't, but I do know that it does work for me because I've tried so many different things, but we digress. We digress because <laughs> we want to get back to the youth. And, um, and, no, but I am curious about the fasting though. Like, is there yeah. science behind that? Like, what's, what's the deal with fasting? You know, it has become sort of a buzz thing snacking all day be kind of became a thing. So this whole idea of fasting started taking into account of, okay, we don't need to, well, again, I'm going to say we don't need to eat every two hours, but again, as adults, you know, we're not talking about the kids here as adults, we do sort of learn how our bodies respond and how we feel as, as we're different, as we're eating. I personally am eating something every two hours. The idea for me of feeling full is very unsettling. So, you know, in our, in our house and what I do with a lot with my athletes is, you know, we're not leaving the table saying, are you full? Instead, we switch it to, are you still hungry? Just to kind of gauge, you know, where, like that. where your appetite is at. Um, because, you know, when we're dealing with kids, when we're dealing with athletes, we need to kind of continually to fuel and, and um, 
refurbish everything that they've got going on with growth, but we're not looking at huge meals where they're going to have these energy spikes. As adults, it sort of starts to slip into our routines, you know, whether you're at work, whether you're at home, whether you're running errands. So it, it does become a little bit different and you know how your body handles. Whatever's going to become most sustainable for you and you feel your best, obviously is where an, an adult can go. When we're looking at kids needing to fuel their bodies and fuel their brains, the fasting is a whole different story. Um, keto, I'm I'm just not an advocate of it. It's, you know, it, it it was developed and it's beneficial and essential for um, epilepsy is where it was going at. Now I think they're starting to do more research on it for um, traumatic brain injuries. But as a long-term sustainable solution, it's it's not my preference. But if it's something that works for an adult. You know, that's yeah. your thing. Um, but going back, Kim, to your thing on carbohydrates, you know, I think that's kind of one area that's really, there's a lot of just misinformation out there about it because carbs have gotten this huge bad rap. And, you know, we look at sometimes protein being the go-to source and it, it becomes this, this tricky cycle because, you know, you have your carbs, your proteins and your fats and the body needs all of them mm -hmm. every day, right? Yeah. And in order for, you know, whether we're looking at kids in growth, kids, you know, as athletes, those carbohydrates are essential for the body, for the body's proteins to do their job, for, you know, repair and recovery and strength and, and building and all of the uh, essential reactions that it's involved with, those carbohydrates are, are essential. So, but looking at the quality of them becomes important too. Right. Sure. Right. Not all carbs are created equal. No. And I absolutely love them. I just know I that <laughs> because I love them, I sometimes pour too many into me at the same time. And they're not necessarily in the form of fruits and vegetables. <laughs> but I think that's a good thing to bring up because I think you're right. Like carbs have gotten a bad rap over the years. And so, um, I am, you know, my husband and I did try keto for a while, mostly because he was diagnosed with LADA, um, latent adult uh, uh, diabetes in adults. So type one di diabetes, but diagnosed when he was in his thirties. So wow. it's not something that he had when he was a child, which is usually when you're diagnosed with type one diabetes. Right. Um, so in an effort to, I don't know, help figure this out, <laughs> this whole insulin injection and all this stuff, right. Mm -hmm. And how we, he can eat better, right. To, you know, avoid the spikes and the dips, especially the dips. Um, we, we tried a bunch of different things and keto was one of those things, which did essentially work best for him. We're not super strict with it though. And we probably didn't, we're probably not going about it the right way, but I tried it too. And you're from the long-term sustainability thing. I agree. Like, I think it's just really, really challenging to keep that going. And I did feel because, I mean, I don't know a lot about nutrition, but I know enough to feel a little awkward about not eating any carbs ever. <laughs> like I right. it just felt a little, a little off to me and, and you know, yeah. that, I, that my body was missing something. Um, so, but I don't know, maybe that's, maybe we can talk about like for, from an adult standpoint, and then I think that'll be a good segue into the kids for adults. I know that you mentioned, try to make at least one meal a day yourself, which I think is a great tip. And I think that's probably something we can we can all, you know, aim for, strive for. Maybe we'll start with one a week yeah. <laughs> and then eventually get to one a day. Build up. Um, but maybe like, what should we, 
in that meal that we're making, what should we strive for as far as, you know, like proteins, fats, carbohydrates, all, all that kind of thing? Yeah, that's a great question. That's a great idea. Um, you know, we pasta seems to be the, the go-to. Everybody kind of freaks out a little bit with, with carbohydrates. And, you know, when we look at ways to kind of enhance these meals, you know, I would have parents say, you know, I gave my kid an apple and they're hungry five seconds later. Yep, they will be because that's kind of the way carbohydrates work. They're your, they're your energy. They're the body's energy and the quick source. So the more we can pair these things with, you know, pairing up your carbohydrates, proteins, and fats, but also including more, they give it some, some substantiate, substantial um, satiation so that you're not hungry in five seconds, it can really help. So one tool or one trick that's kind of beneficial is, is taking even just something as simple as pasta and incorporating in with that chickpea pasta. Okay, now I am not gonna say switch to whole wheat pasta. I think it tastes like crap. And if you like it, great, cool, enjoy it. But it's not pasta in my opinion. Chickpea pasta, it cooks the same. It has the same texture. It has the same flavor. It comes in all different shapes. It is more expensive than regular. So I tend to mix the two together, but it's high in protein. It's high in fiber. It's high in iron. So it's giving you more additional nutrients. Not to say that you have to switch everything up, but it's a good way to kind of boost things. And then when you're adding in, you know, if you're adding in some sort of animal protein, whether it's chicken, whether it's shrimp, you know, whatever you're adding to it, that's going to give you another set of, of nutrients. And then when you add some fat onto it, that's giving you your flavor and your satiability. So you're not starving five minutes later either. And I really like the idea of combining different protein sources in with this, you know, I, we're seeing it everywhere. I'm assuming you guys are seeing it in California. Grocery, grocery prices are just skyrocketing across the board. Everything mm -hmm. is going up, you know, in cost. And, you know, whether you're feeding an adult, whether you're feeding kids, animal proteins are expensive. Meat sources become expensive. Chicken, everything is becoming more and more expensive. So it's not to say, oh, you got to become a vegan, but some of these these plant sources of protein, whether it's your chickpea pastas, whether it's your lentils, whether you're looking at uh, quinoa, they can actually help build more nutrients into the dish and bring a less expensive way of making a more complete meal too, without having to jack up your grocery bills, you know, higher than where they're going right now. Mm -hmm. So, but car anytime you've got your carbohydrate, when you can pair it with a, with a protein and a fat, it's going to give you a little bit more balance for energy. You're not going to get those spikes and waves. It's going to bring in more nutrients and it's going to kind of keep, I'm going to use the word full, but kind of keep you full on a, on a little bit longer basis. So whether it's fruit with, you know, some almonds or fruit with a little bit of nut butter, or you're looking at, you know, berries and a, a square of dark chocolate, things where you're looking at it saying, okay, great. I've got this piece of fruit. What can I add to make it a little bit more complete? That's what I think tends to be missing is we don't have that satiability. So we're hungry five minutes later and we're just going to keep, you know, that whatever the place is that has like the never ending pasta. Mm -hmm. You just keep eating it. Because yeah, yes. you don't have the fat, you don't have the, you know, you don't have the, the protein, you don't have the fiber to make it, to make it really stick. Yeah. So I have heard, and I just heard you say this, that if you're going to have a carb, always pair it with a protein because it helps uh, not have your blood sugar spike so much from the carb. Is that something that you say is a truth? 
Is what, yeah, is on a, a general basis, yeah. You know, okay. again, I look at it a little bit differently sometimes when I'm dealing with the athletes and looking at timing around sports, but just as a general basis, because exactly, if you go have an apple, a few minutes later, you're going, you're, you're, you're going to be hungry again. Now, when you're, when you're using a carbohydrate, that's a natural source of sugars, your fruits, your, your carrot, you know, any of those produce and stuff, you're not going to have those same spikes and waves that you would if you had, you know, a piece of cake. Yes. You know, because you've got the fiber, you've got the other elements that kind of balance out the, the insulin and the, and the sugar waves within the body, it sort of starts to balance that um, as opposed to, you know, a spike of some really super quick, um, simple carbohydrate, the insulin can't catch up. And then you're already on this wave and, you know, your, your day's kind of imbalanced already. So yeah, that explains so, a lot. So, so because, so because parents are the one purchasing food for the house and because parents are the ones typically cooking for these kids who are these youth and youth athletes, um, everything comes down to what the parent decides, right? Or what the parent knows, how much knowledge does the parent have? And the parent is probably just cooking based upon what they grew up with. And let's say we had some sort of awakening along the way in terms of nutrition. Um, so, you know, and I, I know I used to deal with this a lot, Danielle and I used to do this, uh, deal with this a lot when we were at Athletic Republic. Parents were always coming to us and saying, well, what, you know, what should I feed my kid? What should I feed my kid? You know, and they just, you know, they, they trade their school lunches for other things and they buy things that are like, they buy the burritos and the Taco Bell and this and that, and it tastes good. And that's what they're always eating. But like, how do we get, like, if we were to give parents tips, like maybe just like, you know, here's the main things you want to stick with and, and that they can figure out on their own in terms of feeding their athletes and, and, and educating, like, what does that boil down to? Do you have like, maybe like five, six things that are the most important things to for them to know? Yeah. You know, I think one of the great places to start is, especially with kids, color and texture. They're drawn to it. Um, and at that age, also when we're dealing with our kids, they want some sort of control, some sort of choice. And I, I'm a huge proponent of, of snack boards or breakfast boards, whatever it is. And as a parent, it's a great way to clean out your refrigerator too. But, you know, you come home from school or you come down in the morning, whatever, and, you know, maybe there's a little bit of turkey, maybe there's a little bit of hummus and pretzels and, and Greek yogurt, and they can dip things. Kids love to dip stuff into other stuff. So, you know, whether they've got, you know, slices of fruit that they can dip into yogurt or they've got um, crackers or pretzels that they can dip into a hummus. So the more colors we bring in, we talk about, you know, eating the rainbow, your red, orange, yellow, um, green, blue, and purples. Oh, I thought that was eating Skittles. Right? <laughs> the more colors you can start to bring into your day, the more benefits it's having on, on all the various aspects of the body, you know, and, and I, when I'm talking with my younger athletes, we really kind of associate those kind of to the protective gear that they're protecting some aspect of their body. But the more colors we introduce to them, the more nutrients we're introducing to them and giving them those different textures, whether they want something crunchy or something a little bit sweeter, it can be there, you know, Just whether it's freeze dried berries or fresh berries or frozen, having that type of availability for them to make choices and know that, hey, I put something out, everything on that plate is great for them. They can kind of pick and choose what they want. They're not just picking one thing. The other thing I look at is, you know, even just the things we enjoy as far as 
cookies and cakes and stuff. It used to be like a treat. You'd come home and, oh, yay, there's cookies in the cookie jar, right? Now we can go to the store and find 50,000 different types of cookies all at one time. Have, there's nothing wrong with enjoying them, but we can kind of bring it back to what it's supposed to be as far as kind of a, an, not an everyday treat. You want to have cookies, make them, make that, make that your thing that you make at home, your cookies, your cakes, because it's time consuming. You're not going to do That's, it every day. I never would have thought when you, because you said make one thing yourself. I never would have thought cookies and cakes. I, I was just going like, it's got to be healthy. Okay, this is my one healthy thing. I love that. <laughs> I'm so excited about it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's and that's a great tip because also when you make it yourself, you can tweak the ingredients a little bit too. One hundred percent. You can totally tweak the ingredients. And if you know, like my sister happens to add nuts to every cookie and bake things she makes, it's going to give you more nutrients. I don't do it at my house, but it does. It gives you the total control to add things, to change things a little bit. To you know, you don't put a full cup of sugar in it. Fine. You can you can lessen it. Nobody's going to notice. Um, but even still, when you're looking at it. Typically, you're looking at, you know, a third to even less sugar in one you're making at home versus one you're buying at the store anyway. So you you have total control. You can work with your kids' preferences. You can get them involved. Um, Using the measuring cups was always a great practice for fractions and stuff in our house. Um, But giving the kids control and, and empowering them in the kitchen is huge. Well, yeah, whatever they can make, they can cut, they can chop, they can do, get them in the kitchen. It's awesome because now you're, you're kind of setting them up for their future and being, being comfortable in the kitchen to be able to do this for themselves at some point. Right. Right. Yeah. I I love the giving them some control. I love the idea of a snack board. I personally love snack boards. Like (laughs) I make them for myself all the time. So I love that idea. Um, and that it does give them some control and that control comes in the form of, you know, well, being at home and in your own food rather than here, Johnny trade this for this, you know? And so, um, you're, you're kind of reframing that control and where it takes place. I love that very much. Um, Mm -hmm. I love the way that you break everything down with hockey gear, the equipment. (laughs) (laughs) Would you mind just running through that? I just love that so much. She (laughs) loves everything hockey. Well, I love everything hockey, but I think it it is a really great way to explain to everyone the importance of the different things we're putting that we need to put into our bodies. I, I just, I really, and I think everyone can relate to it, whether or not they're a hockey player, we all, you know, there's equipment in every sport. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. If you don't. Okay. <laughs> not at all. So you're right. There is, there's, you know, pretty much every sport you can't really come up with it with track and field. So somebody, somebody from track and field is going to have to help me here, but <laughs> for every sport you have, you have your essential equipment and, and, you know, Daniel, our, our world is hockey. Um, so you have your, your stick, your skates and your helmet. You can't play the game without those things, right? They're your three essentials. And they're like your macronutrients, your carbohydrates, proteins, and fats. You don't have them, you're not getting on the ice, right? So when, when, I, when we look at, okay, so of those three, your, your stick, your skates, and your helmets, which one of those is going to get you down the ice the fastest? It's going to be your skates, right? That's your carbohydrate. Mm-hmm. That's your energy. That's your, your go. Okay. So then we're like, okay, well, you've been on the ice for a really long time. You're kind of getting tired. You need to get off. You got to get that puck down to the end of the, the, 
other side as quick as you can. Your next source, now you either have a stick or your helmet. It's gonna be your stick, right? You, the fats are your secondary source of energy. And we see it a lot with little kids where they can like seemingly never stop. They just go, 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 probably where your kids are, Danielle. Yes. They have like, you know, it's almost like a reserve tank where the carbohydrates run out and the fats start right away and they just kind of keep going. As we get older, it still happens. It's just a much slower transition, but the fats are the secondary source of energy. Protein, it's important for everything, right? It responsibilities for growth and repair and recovery and, and chemical reactions, but it doesn't want the job of energy. So your helmet's not going to do anything for you as far as making you skate faster. It's not really going to do anything as far as, you know, giving you specifically the strength to, to, to get the puck down the ice, but it's, you want that protection on your head. So that's kind of the role of protein and the body doesn't necessarily store protein the same way it does the carbohydrates and the fats within the body. It does not want to be an energy source. And when we, when we keep inundating the body with more and more protein without knowing how much you know, our athletes or ourselves or our kids need, it can't do its job. It's like, fine, I'll stop. You know, it's like us. I'll stop what I'm doing and mm -hmm. take care of this for you. I don't want to, but I'll stop everything else. That's sort of what it has to do. So we need these carbohydrates, we need the protein, we need the fat, those carbs are those stick helmet and skates. And then we look at the other stuff, right? Kids in their sports, they have a neck guard, they have shin guards, they have chest protectors, they have mouth guards, they have all this protective equipment. That's your vitamins and minerals. That's your, your, your protective gear that's protecting the body and, and not necessarily giving it the main energy source, but helping to prevent injury, helping to the, help the body recover. And if we are getting injured or we are getting sick, that it's, it's making that process much faster so that we aren't staying in that state too long, right? So it's supporting your immunity, supporting recovery, support, preventing or minimizing risk of injury. That's all the protective gear, your vitamins and minerals. So the more colors, you know, we talked just about all the different colors that you're wearing, every color could correlate to a different piece of protective gear. Mm. So, you know, are you showing up without, you know, your shin guards, your chest guards and your elbow pads? Or are you gonna try to incorporate more colors so that you're hitting everything too? Yeah, I love that. On, on that vitamins and minerals piece, yeah. um, cause I know it's really hard for a lot of families to figure out like how to make sure all the vitamins and minerals, you know, their kids are getting. But then I also hear that, you know, these over-the-counter vitamins like mainly aren't that effective. What's your stance on, on the over-the-counter vitamins? Unless your child has been diagnosed with a specific deficiency, they can pretty much get everything from their foods. And we tend to get pigeonholed thinking, oh, we need vitamin C, we better have some oranges. Kiwi has more vitamin C than an orange, you know? And then you look at, you know, your spinach or your kale, you're getting some vitamin C there too. So, and bell peppers are another great source. So really, as long as you're introducing a variety of foods, a variety of colors, they're likely meeting the majority of their, their vitamins and nutrients or vitamins and minerals. Vitamin D because sometimes becomes a little tricky, especially for kids with sports that are inside or those of us who, you know, it's dark here at four o'clock now at my house, I hate it. Mm -hmm. um, so some of that becomes tricky, <laughs> but you know, as a general, they're iron, they're, they're, um, 
their vitamin C, their potassium, their magnesium, all of those crucial vitamins and minerals with a good source, a good range of colors, they're likely getting them without having to rely on, you know, the supplements, which that's a whole nother category because of it being unregulated. And mm-hmm. that's a whole beast to unload. <laughs> well, it is comforting to know that you, you can get all that stuff from food. Yeah. That is, that is comforting. I like, I didn't know there was more vitamin C in kiwis than in oranges. Yeah. That, like, I mean, I have like a general idea of things, but, like I didn't know that. So that, I mean, I guess it's just a matter of like doing a little bit of investigating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we just, we forget. And, you know, we kind of think that, oh, you know, my kid has to eat kale or my kid has to eat, you know, eat your salad. Try to find, and I, I do this a lot with the kids. So find something in that color. You know, take them to the grocery store. Hey, you know what? Pick out something that you that you'll be willing to try that's red today. Maybe it's strawberries. Maybe they'll try, you know, an apple. Maybe they already like apples. Cool. But every color, what would they be willing to try in that color? I mean, you can even do a Google search of orange produce and there'll be like 50 different things. Hey, these look interesting. And sometimes it's kind of cool, depending on you know your store, what's available, finding like the most random thing in the world and seeing hey, what do you think this is going to taste like? And just do that experiment if you have a kid that's willing to try things. Another great way to introduce, because it is difficult to get some of the different colors, uh, especially with particular eaters, but to find a familiar food and then the other colors it comes in. For example, carrots. I know obviously we think of carrots being orange. They weren't always initially orange. It changed by the soil. So your purple carrots are actually what was originally the color for carrots. They're beautiful. The inside is kind of an orangey color. So they're really cool. But you can pick up a bag of rainbow carrots, then let the kids test them. Hey, which one's sweeter? Which one do you like better? Do you think they even taste different? And they're introducing more colors to their day, which also brings more vitamins or different vitamins and minerals on a food that's already familiar to them. So it's not like you know, pulling teeth to get them to try something different. That's really interesting. And just a quick side note, I was just in Hawaii for two weeks with my family and we brought the kids, right? And my daughter is seven and a half months old. And so she's starting her solids journey and that sort of thing. And she really loves, and I can never get this right, whether it's a sweet potato or a yam, I don't know. I just call it the same thing. I don't know. I I just call it a sweet potato. So we were, we did Instacart because we had kitchens in our hotels and I ordered a sweet potato slash yam, whatever it is. And usually here when we get them, they're orange. It showed up and it was purple. And yeah. I was like, wait, what I what what did I order? <laughs> <laughs> so we just kind of went with it. My mom was like, that's that's it. It, it maybe just it's different. Different. Right. Yeah. so yeah, we, I made it and it tasted it was actually a little bit sweeter. She really, really liked it. But that's just kind of funny that you brought up the carrots mm. because I had no idea that carrots were originally purple. Neither did and I. It reminded me of this. Yeah. I always look at things like that and I go, oh, that's interesting. And I just go off to my normal, like, <laughs> let me go get the orange ones because, you know, that's, we go to what's familiar and what's yeah. what, like, oh, I don't right. know what that is. Right. Yeah. Right. The what other is- thing with vegetables, I'll tell you, because uh, I love salads, but I don't love salads unless they're chopped salads. Right. Like, I don't like these big, like big pieces of lettuce. I like chop, 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 except unless it's a spinach salad. But like, so if I chop up all my vegetables or these, or like even like Trader Joe's, you know, has these vegetable, um, like slaws and, and everything's already chopped up for you. And I could dump that into a pasta. I could dump that into a salad and mixed up with all this, you know, the dressing and everything. 
I consume far more vegetables now because of chopping them small. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, so it's something that I I've learned how to consume more vegetables on just because of the way it feels and tastes in your mouth with mixed up with everything else. Um, I see. So instead of like the, the vegetable taking up all the space, it's now small. So you can mix it with everything else. And there's a bunch yes. of things going on. Lots it's of mixed that. in with the avocado and it's mixed mm -hmm. in with the feta cheese and it's mixed yeah. in with the balsamic vinaigrette dressing. And it's all just so good. Right? <laughs> and I started yeah. putting like chopped apples and chopped like jicama like, and I chop it all up. And so I have this literally like this salad that has so many nutrients in it and every bite is delicious because I'm into the chopped salad with all the mixed dressing, right? It's just, to me, it tastes completely different than a dressing that's, I mean, with than a salad that is just got these big chunks of stuff in it. Right. And that's actually a great way to get the kids involved too. I know they have, I think it was like one of those as seen on TV, like chopper things. Give last night's, you know, roasted vegetables or something, or even raw vegetables, let them chop them. And then, you know, maybe they're going to go in a baked potato or they're going to go into your salad or pasta mm -hmm. or something. They're there and ready to go. That's an awesome way. And I think about that too. I'm like, I totally missed out. My, my kids are both, I'm finding, especially now that they're both living out of the house, that they're phenomenal cooks. And my daughter has worked several summers of meal prepping and cooking for families, um, but when she's home, she'll help me, you know, kind of cut up the vegetables and get them out, you know, just kind of prep them for, for the kitchen. But when we think about our kids' chores, you know, whether it's taking out the trash or, you know, doing their laundry, whatever it is, we can kind of start to incorporate some of these kitchen things too. Hey, cut up the bell peppers so they're ready to go. Mm -hmm. Take the tops off the strawberries so that we can use them right away. Again, empowering them in the kitchen so they know what to do. Uh, they have those little crinko, crinko, crinkle cutters that are great and safe for small hands if you're worried about your child using a knife get them involved in the kitchen that that can be hey here's how you can help out the family now we're we're ready to go we can just grab and go you know at snack time or when we're you know out running errands or something yeah i love that that's great i love that so much put them to work so, yeah so so talk around so talk around um so if we're going to talk about athletes and, and food timing um and what, I was and what they too. yeah what they eat so what like typically because whether it's a practice whether it's a game it's all the same thing they're expending energy um uh what is your recommendation yeah so that is probably the number one question parents ask me is what should i feed my kid before a game and there's, there's two ways to look at this. And I think there's actually two questions within this because what they eat before a game or before a practice <clears throat> is important in the sense of, are they gonna get to that game and their energy is gonna be way high and drop? Or are they gonna kind of start slow and pick up because of the foods that they ate? Maybe their muscles are gonna get fatigued a little faster. Maybe they're gonna be crampy. That's what those foods before their eat before their practice or game are going to designate. What we're looking to find is fueling them on a consistent basis. That one meal right before their game or practice isn't going to necessarily make or break their game or practice. Okay, uh, so what we're looking at when it comes to meal timing around a game or practice sort of becomes individualized, sort of becomes a digestion issue. The body needs about four hours to fully digest a meal which means if we're eating, you know, 
a full chicken sandwich with avocado and 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 chips or whatever we have with it, the body needs a, a good amount of time to, to digest all of that. The closer we're getting to practice and kind of that two hour mark, minimizing the dairy, minimizing the heavy fats, um, just from a digestion standpoint, because that's when they're gonna get on the ice feeling overly full or just not feeling like their energy is where it should be. At the same time, you have kids who have a nervous stomach. They might be a little anxious before a game. They might be worried. They need to back their time up a little bit further so that they have a little more digestion time. Um, small bites, usually, you know, like the little cutie oranges work well. We're looking, once we get to that two hour mark, of focusing a little bit more on your carbohydrates. And it does become sport specific too. You know, the way a, a hockey player needs to fuel before a game is a little different than a baseball player, mm-hmm. uh, swimmer or, you know, soccer. This All is, this is why baseball players can actually eat while play. Right. <laughs> Stand on the outfield with a sandwich in their yeah. hand. Yeah. That would totally be me. <laughs> they always have food in the dugout. Oh. <laughs> so what's actually more important than what they're eating right before is what they're eating right after. And this is the one that gets missed. And this is the one that I was screwing up royally as a parent, athlete parent for a long time, is that the 30 to 45 minutes post-workout. Now, this is like a post-workout, not, hey, we've got an hour of practice and we're going to kick the ball for 20 minutes and uh, sit around for the other 20. Like, this is a, a good workout. Um, that 30 to 45 minutes post-workout, it's called the glycogen window. That is when the body is most replenishing all of the spent carbohydrates, all of the spent energy, the the glycogen that it's used during that activity. And can you, you you know, can you just fill it up with cookies and crap? Sure. But your body's truly absorbing it in mass quantities at that time to, to not only facilitate what it was just using, but to help with the recovery and tomorrow's practice. So for me, I was like, okay, you know, fine, get changed, hurry up, we'll get home. We got food at home, just eat that. We were missing that window entirely. Well, I, so, let me just interrupt you for one second to just make sure people understand because you say 30 to 45 minutes and it seems like a long time, but it's really not. If you think about the sport, let, we'll just continue with hockey, right? Because that's- <laughs> I'll <laughs> um, pop in with some soccer. <laughs> but if you think about it, the game ends, you go into the locker room, the coach talks, right? For 30 to 40 know, minutes. Anywhere, you know, <laughs> depends on how, what the outcome was, but let's just say five minutes, okay? He talks for five minutes. Then you got to get undressed. You got to take all that equipment off, depending on your child. If your child's a chatty Kathy, right? That could be a 15 minute process, 20 minute process. Now we're at 25 minutes. We're almost to that deadline. Right. If you think then, okay, now we got to walk out of the rink and the kid again, or the parents talking, saying goodbye to everyone, you know, like the whole Irish goodbye or whatever they say. It's like everybody's <laughs> got to talk to everybody. You get to the car, you put the bag in. We're at 30 minutes now, 35 minutes. That gives us a, like 10 minutes right there. If you wait till you get home, you've missed it. So I think it was just important to kind of like, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you have to seize the moment. The body is, the portal is open. Well, right yeah. after the the competition was, is over. Yeah, yeah, thinking about like in terms of like, instead of just time, 30 to 45 minutes, like let's look at what that time actually is after a game, right? And soccer is probably pretty similar, maybe a little bit different, but the, my point is it's not that much time. 
No. Right. So, yeah. And, so, and sorry. especially with the, tra- the amount of travel that you have, I mean, my son's ring for a while, but his practice, it was an hour and 10 minutes away. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you're really looking at that time and that time is focus. The focus is carbohydrates. Anything else above and beyond that is a bonus. So if you could do chicken and rice, great. But sometimes kids come out and it, it, you have to be prepared for for all circumstances, because sometimes you come out of a workout, you're like, I, I can't possibly eat anything. It was a really tough workout. So in that instance, maybe you have a little bit of a sports drink. Maybe you have a small little cutie orange. Maybe you have a few pretzels. If it's, you know, something where you're coming out and maybe they're hungry and you see it sometimes with little kids where they'll come out and they want like ice cream and they want like heavy dairy type foods. They're, they're tapping into that fat resource. You know, they're blowing through that carbohydrates. They're tapping in as far into the, into the fats. They could probably do a little bit more. They might be able to tolerate, you know, chocolate milk, which I hear everybody's like, oh, it's a great post-workout recovery drink. It is if, you're, if your kid can tolerate dairy that soon afterwards, okay? Mm-hmm. It's not something that everybody can stomach right away. And the body doesn't care when it gets its protein. There's no time that says you have to have your post-workout protein. You have to have your pre-workout protein. It doesn't care. It just wants to get it sometime during the day. That window, again, is, is your carbohydrate focus. Um, and it's not a meal by any means. You know, my mom used to call it, oh, we're going to just tide you over until our, until our dinner or something. It's just a little something to kind of re- replenish, refuel. Within the next hour or two, they should be ready to eat. But that gives you time to get home for them to get showered for, you know, whatever else. And when you've got kids that you're driving, that's, you've got a captive audience. They're in the car, they're hungry, carrots and celery and ranch, you know, pretzels and hummus. You, you've got them, they're, tra- they're trapped. And it's going to save a ton of money anyway, because otherwise they just want concession crap and drive through. And, right. you yeah. know, and I look at these kids that the kids who are involved in this type of activity and this type of demanding sport, it's a family event. You know, it's, it's a demand on everybody's time. And if they're going to make, make these, these time commitments and this commitment to their sport, they're also able to make sure that they have something in their bag. Yeah. You know, even if it's just an emergency snack, like, oh my gosh, we forgot to pack a snack. That's okay. I've got something in my bag. And don't overlook the, um, like those baby food pouches, you know, that are just puree fruit, mm-hmm. throw one in the bag. Yeah. Throw one in your car, you know, that there's something that you can just kind of keep as a, a, you know, an emergency. I have snacks in every bag, every car, <laughs> everywhere in my house. There's, there's snacks for just in case. Um, but, you know, there's something that they can keep that's non-perishable as a, as an emergency. Oh my gosh. Or this workout was too heavy. I can't, I can't eat what I brought. Yeah. I just need something a little lighter. So, so if like maybe the five top <laughs> things you would recommend, five top post-workout quick fixes that are easy to stick in the bag? Um, again, it's going to be make sure that your kid can tolerate, but uh, cuties or oranges are a great one. Pineapple is a great one because it's great for anti-inflammatory. So, you know, especially your older teens who are, you know, whether they're in the gym or really um, physical workout, pineapple is great. Um, I love the Trader Joe's peanut butter filled pretzels. Yep. You know, it's got a little bit of that salt. It's got, um, a little bit of protein to it also, or a little bit of the nut butter to it also. So it's, they're just, they're delicious. Kids will normally, if they're not really even eat, they'll suck on them, which is again, giving them some more of that sodium because 
you know, if you're looking at sports drinks, which again is another one to have in your bag because if you're not able to eat anything, um, I'm not a proponent of synthetic sugars or artificial colors. Body Armor is probably my favorite readily available sports drink out there. It's pretty low in sodium. I see a lot of people on social media who are like, don't drink that. It doesn't have any sodium and blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, chances are you're going to get some restaurant food. Sodium really isn't one of the foods or one of the things that's missing in most of our diets. You know, exactly. add, some, add some soy sauce to something, add, you know, have some pretzels. You're getting your sodium. Um, bell peppers are great if they can stomach them. Bananas, again, are another obvious one, but texture can be wonky for, for some kids. It becomes a little bit of trial and error with your child. But what about like a, a bar? Like, are you a proponent of bars? Yeah. They're, I mean, they're convenient. I do like, you know, the packaged foods like that, keep them as your, you know, in your bag type thing. I, we try to advocate, if you have to unwrap it, take it on the go. Choose sources at home that are fresh, fresh foods, whether you're, you know, making your own trail mix from a big bag of nuts and dark chocolate chips, you know, unwrapping something out of the house as opposed to, you know, inside for snacks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And what do you, how do you feel about the sports, uh, the sports drinks in general, like, and when do you drink them? Um, Gatorades and all those, like, when are they appropriate and when do they help you? And when are they like, no, 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 it's like, you should not be having that right now. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question because as you know, parents have kind of become more in tune to, Hey, we don't want our kids drinking pop all the time. It's sort of switched to the, the sports drinks, your Gatorades, your Powerades, or your, your body armors. They don't need them all the time, okay? They're designed for, again, that glycogen window. They're designed for, you know, once the body has either worked out for 30 or for an hour or heavy sweating, or you're in hot and humid conditions, whether you're an athlete or whether you're out, you know, gardening and, you know, in Chicago working out inside and it's 100, 100 degrees and 100% humidity. At some point, just like when the kids are sick, water's not enough to rehydrate them. They need some of those elements. Now, could you do water and food? Sure. They're just a convenient way, but they're not meant to be carried around the school hallways. Right. They're not meant to be sitting on the couch playing video games. They're not exactly. something you can carry around. And even when you look at, you know, the typical one is, is 16 ounces. Most athletes don't even need that much. Have it, you know, just a small portion of it, or you can have a little bit, you know, if they're old enough to have an an uh, intermission in their game or an ice cut during their game, they can have a few drinks of it just to kind of tap off those energy sources. And I try to, we try to use them more as a, either I forgot a snack, I forgot my post-workout snack, I've got multiple games in, in a weekend, that's another good use of them, or I, I can't stomach food right now. My My workout was too intense. Rather than missing that post-workout refueling time, mm -hmm. that can be a, a source to get some more of the carbohydrates back into the body. But they are not designed to be a carry around with you right. all day, every they day. They became very household for everything, it seemed. They did birthday parties and, you know, the kids are just outside playing. Let's have, get, have throw some fruit out there. Slice yeah. up some oranges, slice up some kiwi, you know, that's gonna give them what, what they need also. Or put the fruit in the water. Put the fruit in the water, absolutely. So good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. So lots of great tips on what to do. What are the, besides the Gatorade as being something don't do, what are some of your top things you notice that people do or don't do, or actually do that they probably should not do? Like you, it, like one of the things is, okay, not Gatorade 24 seven, um, not um, eating too close to working out. Obviously we need that four, you know, four hour window-ish. Um, I've heard of things like, you know, back in the day, you heard about carb, car, you know, pasta loading the night before. Remember that? Like, does that even yeah. have any? You know, it does, but this is kind of a, an indication of the difference between youth athletes and adult athletes, you know, and that dichotomy between sports nutrition for the, for the growing body. Carb loading doesn't work for kids. Their bodies can't physiologically hold as many carbs as an adult can yet. Oh. Can I just ask a quick question? What now, when you refer to kids, what's the age range there? I look at them up to about 20. Okay. And I asked that because we did the carb loading thing in college, mm-hmm. right? The night before the games, we'd go to the restaurant. Oh God, I can't remember what it's called now, which is such a shame, but we go, <laughs> we have the pasta and the chicken parm and we just like pile it on. Right. So we're obviously when you start college, usually around 18, so 18, right. 19, 20. So yeah. that's just tough. Cause you do, you have that whole span of different ages and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, kind of once you start hitting that 18, 19, 20 mark, that's kind of where I know the brain is still developing till 25. Um, but yeah, once, and you know, kids, again, we can't, we can't judge when they're going to hit puberty. We can't judge when their, their growth spurts change. I've known plenty of people who don't shoot up until their junior year of college. I mean, their bodies are still changing. We can't, it's not something we can look at them and say, oh, this is exactly when you're done. We can't. But as far as a fully grown, mature adult, their bodies can store way more carbohydrates than the kids can. Again, it's not to say that they're not important because they are. We know that they need their carbohydrates. They're just turning them over so quickly, not just because of sport, but because of growth. Right. So for youth athletes, it doesn't really that it's not going to do anything. It's not going to help. Maybe, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not going to give them the same type of energy boost that you think it's going to, like you would for an adult. But I think I heard that when a woman is pregnant, what's going on in their body is basically the equivalent of running a marathon every day. And when we think about our kids, that's like the, the same thing that's going on. The amount of change that's happening has to be fueled. So increasing water, it sounds like the simplest thing and it's one of the more difficult, challenging aspects, but most Americans are chronically hydrated. So mm-hmm. they're chronically dehydrated, sorry about that, chronically dehydrated. So we're looking at half your body weight in ounces and drinking that throughout your day. So hundred pounds, you're gonna need 50 ounces of water throughout your day. And starting that as kids. And it's not to say, don't have your Gatorade, don't ever have a pop. But if you're getting your the amount of water you need, you don't have as much room to even have that other stuff. Yeah. So, you know, you don't have to give things up. It's just a matter of making sure you're getting the things you do need also. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in, in, in kind of recapping on the kids. So basically what you're saying is hydration is key, making sure we have half our body weight in ounces, eliminating sports drinks as much as possible, unless it's an emergency situation where you just do not have access to something else and you need to top off those energy stores. Um, Eating color, eating variety, eating every day, 
being nutritionally sound, like, you know, at least the 80, 20 rule, right? 80, 20 yeah. rule. Yeah. There, we want to do our pizza and our burgers and our fries. We get to do that, but it's more the 80, 20, 20% that 80% really good nutrition. Cause that's, what's going to maintain the body on the, on the regular, right. um, post-workout within 40 minutes, carbs, healthy carbs. Yeah. Um, and then anything else you can think of that are just glaring, like don't do this or definitely consider this that we haven't really covered. The only thing, you know, just to kind of reiterate too, take empowering yourself in your kitchen, you know, yes. maybe, maybe, yes. pizza, and I'm, I'm, I'm all for supporting our small businesses and our local businesses, especially now, but maybe one time if you do pizza night every, you know, once a week or something, maybe one time it's making it at home. You know, you're making your own pizzas and you're doing them on the grill or you're doing them in the oven. And just to understand that we don't have to get this in yes. this form all the time. We can absolutely create this and, and it's going to, you know, let you again, the kids can put their own toppings on. They have control over what they're choosing and giving them that, that freedom, that empowerment to, to make food choices and to understand, get the kids involved in reading labels. Mm -hmm. you know, my, my thing, the kids always wanted, um, uh, you know, sugary cereals and stuff. And, and my son at the time when he was young had really strong sensitivities to food colors, to uh, artificial food colors. So I'd be like, you know, I didn't want, you know, I'm the bad guy all the time, right? Saying no. So they would pull, you know, something off the shelf. Oh, can we have this? I'm like, sure. But double check the label, make sure it doesn't have this artificial color. Because if it does, you know, my son can't eat it. So it was like, well, why are they putting it in here? What? No, good question. <laughs> it's not me saying I told you yes. Sorry. Yeah, I said yes. It's not me. <laughs> let's write a letter. Right. Let's write a letter. I have to say though, when you said making the pizza, well, first of all, putting it on the grill, I have again never thought of that. And that sounds amazing. Yeah. Put it off to the side that's not like heat up your grill, but leave one burner that's like either super low or off and put the pizza there. It's amazing. But I, I do have to say, growing up, we would have pizza night where we would make our own pizzas. And I have some of the fondest memories, like the, the best nights as a, like as a family, being a child and, you know, the family doing that together. Like, it's just, mm -hmm. I love that. I love that so much. It's another, it's a fun act. And especially as kids start to get older and they, you know, start to want to do other things. It's just mm -hmm. kind of a nice way to pull everyone together again. I think that's, that's yeah. awesome. And I think as parents, maybe as moms, I don't know that. I think it's, it is really our responsibility to just kind of start changing our dialogue about food. That that's not bad. We're not guilty. We're not bad for enjoying, you know, a brownie or a cookie or something. You know, if you want to have a cookie, make it a goddamn good cookie, you know, <laughs> eat a really good cookie. Yeah. So, yes. you know, have something delicious. And if you've made it from home and you've had that time with your child making these things, that's even a better, you know, option for them too. But to see these aren't bad. Yeah. Right. We have these amazing food memories. We have these amazing connections with other people, other cultures through food. Yeah. I had a woman who told me, oh, you know, I was so good. I went to Italy and I, I didn't have any gelato. I was so good. Oh. You went on one trip of a lifetime to Italy. Yes. And oh my gosh. Well, I think that's such an important um, 
mindset for everything in life. Like we are here on this planet to enjoy, right? We're here to try different things. We're here. This is not like, you know, a hundred years of like trying to like resist, you know, this is, this is everything. Be smart. Everything in moderation, try different things. Nothing's bad unless it's like cookies are nothing is bad unless it's all you eat. Well, right? I, guess I think with anything, anything yes. we do too much water is not good for us. Right. Too many you know? carrots. We turn orange. I mean, right. or purple. So, I don't know. <laughs> too much shrimp. You're going to turn pink, you know? Right? right. So it's, there is anything we do in life in, you know, an abundance isn't healthy, you know, an overabundance, I should say, isn't healthy for us. And finding that, that moderation, that ability to say, yeah, let's do this. Or, and it's not about, you know, hey, you're an athlete, you can't have a cheeseburger and fries, but there are times it's better timed for your performance. It's not to say you're an athlete, you can't have pizza. It's just probably not a good idea for the way you want to perform to have it before your game. This is how you're probably going to feel. Let's just wait. Wait till after the game and we don't have a game the next day. What? Yeah. Where you can, yeah, moderate. Exactly. Yes. That becomes important. And that's just good. That's just good advice, like for everybody. And I think one of the biggest challenges is because we're, you know, as we've been over the last years is, is as parents, we're just so freaking busy, right? We're so busy and we're running 16 different directions and to have most of the time, really good choices in the house. Cause you know, if we do, you know, I always used to say to parents like, well, yeah, my kid keeps eating this. My kid keeps eating that. And I'm like, well, is it in the pantry? <laughs> well, and I because if it's that, not in the pantry, right? Yeah. Right. So, so eliminating the things that 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 you can control, like if, if, you know, and and having things in the house that if they're going to grab something, the bag of potato chips isn't there, and the and the bag of cookies isn't there. They can't grab it. They have to grab something else. It's already you know done. And I think right. that's key. And then you also look at parents. Lots of times you see how the parents are eating, and that's how the kids eat. Right. And a lot of times it's, it's, you know, avoiding and restrictions and the, the kids see that. Why is it okay that I have this, but you don't or vice versa. And, you know, it's just, let's have a meal together. You know? Yeah. And, and then you get that. Yeah. You get the unhealthy relationship with food thing going right. and that's and exactly, a terrible path to go down. Right. Exactly. Like you said though, too, about time is that it's interesting to me that when we're short on time, when our lives are hectic, when things are, are, are a little chaotic, creating a little bit more stress in our lives, the one thing that has the ability to support our immune system, to decrease our body's stress, to increase our body's ability to, to handle what's in front of us, whether it's growth, whether it's activity, whether it's you know stress, whatever it is, the one thing that has the most impact on that is our food. Mm-hmm. And that's where we make the shortcut. I don't have time, so we're just going to run through the, the drive-through. I don't have time. Instead of that becoming, not that we, I sure as heck am not going to spend four hours in my kitchen if I have four free hours to sit here and cook all day long. It's just not going to happen. But if I'm going to grill chicken, I can throw a few extra chicken breasts on the grill so they're ready for the rest of the week. Yes. So yes. You have little shortcuts that you can do to help prepare and manage your time. Uh, you had mentioned earlier, too, about the holidays coming up. And I hear this one a lot too, where it's like, oh, we've got a big holiday party, so I'm not going to eat all day because I know I'm going to be eating junk all night when I get there. You're kind of setting yourself up to feel like crap the next day. 
<laughs> eat. Yeah. Eat, your, eat your breakfast, eat your lunch, eat like you normally would. Because if it's me, I'm going to just belly up to that dip and chips if I'm starving. And right. I'm right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You, if you eat something before you go that you will not consume, it's like, oh my gosh. I used to always say like when I was starving, I'd get home and eat half, half a pint of ice cream before, as I was figuring out what I wanted for dinner. Right. Right. It's like, <laughs> it, it, it's, yeah, you, you definitely, I always, I, I've caught myself doing that sometimes like, oh, I knew I was going to have this great dinner and those bellows foods. I want to save room. Like, oh my gosh, I would be way better off drinking, you know, 20 ounces of water and, <laughs> and not eating all that. Yeah. Well, maybe that's a good place to end. Would you have tips specifically for the holidays? Thanksgiving is right around the corner. You know, what are your biggest holiday food tips? You know, for the holidays, as as fresh as you can go. And I know we're, we have a lot of these traditions of the heavy casseroles and the, the I'm not going to say don't use butter and don't use cream because absolutely use butter and cream because it's delicious. <laughs> but we look, to, absolutely. we look to either make shortcuts so that we're using, you know, fat-free, sugar-free, all this crap that's not going to make it taste like you want it to taste anyway. And you're eliminating the, the, the memory of the food because who makes green bean casserole any other time of the year, really? Right. Um, but, you know, to compromise the taste you're looking for, to eliminate the fat, you're eliminating the flavor, you're eliminating satiability, make the food as real as possible and just do a smaller portion of it. If you're, you know, if you want to have a vegetable on the table, it doesn't have to be heavy and, and laden like that where you're just going to walk away feeling lethargic. And I think that's part of what the problem, not the problem, but part of that Thanksgiving dinner is it's, it's so many simple carbohydrates that you do, you just 20 minutes later, everybody's asleep on the couch because mm -hmm. you've had this huge spike in wave. It's not for us. It's one thing for our athletes. It's a problem, right? So you're, you know, whatever fresher types of foods you can bring, maybe you're doing, you know, roasted vegetables instead. Maybe you're, you know, if you're, you have your turkey, you have whole grain rolls available. It's just something to make the table a little fresher using in-season produce. Give your table some color. If you think just off the top of your head that Thanksgiving dinner, it's very beige. <laughs> very beige. <laughs> when you started that sentence, I was like, what color is it? Yeah, <laughs> beige. Very beige. Yeah. It's a very <laughs> beige dinner. Yeah. Where can you bring in color to it? You know, maybe it's just adding pomegranate seeds to the salad and freshening that up a little bit. Maybe, you know, you're bringing in a tricolor of roasted carrots. If you normally do carrots, something that's just going to give it some more visual appealing because we eat with our eyes first, mm -hmm. but to, to, to bring that color to our table as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I love that you brought in the whole, the athlete aspect too, because if you think about it, at least in, on the hockey side of things, Thanksgiving is a huge tournament time. Yep. I mean, those kids are leaving on Thanksgiving day, if not, you know, like maybe the day before sometimes. So, right. you know, if you're, if you are lucky enough to leave the next day, right. <laughs> really take that into consideration with what your athlete is consuming the day before they're now expected to go out and sometimes play two games a day. Right. right. Mm -hmm. And then right. the weekend is, you know, is full of, full of activity. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's I love that. So 
Stephanie, if people want to learn more or have athletes and they want to dive into more of the sports nutrition, how can they get in touch with you? Absolutely. Um, my website is rockperformance.net. Okay. Uh, Instagram and Facebook both have great content, whether you're looking for recipes, whether you're looking for quick tips, Instagram is rock underscore performance and Facebook is at fuel their game with fuel there and game all cap each capitalized. Well, we'll put that all in the show notes for everybody. Cause I just have a feeling that if you're going to listen, I'm like, Oh, I, I think I'm doing this wrong. I think I'm doing that wrong. And they need a resource because Danielle oh, yeah. and I are just not, we're going to, we're just no. not going to lead them to the right place. <laughs> but I will say Stephanie's Instagram and Facebook I mean, that's just so well done. Like she, cause she takes things that are in front of your athletes right now, like real time, like Chipotle and she'll adjust it for them and for the parents. So and that's so important. Really huge. easy, adaptable tips. Yes. Cause I'm thinking about when I was driving around as a soccer mom and I was like, I, I know I was trying to do it right, but I didn't know what I was doing. Right. right. Like the things like if, if you only have this as an option, that's yeah. okay. Here's how you can tweak it. And I love that about your social media content. It's so, oh, gosh. so helpful. It really I'm is. following right now. Yeah. On right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for being on with us today. I, I mean, I learned a ton yeah. like every time I talk to you, I learn so many new things. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we're just so appreciative and honestly, guys, please follow her. She's a great resource for anything. Like it's just, and it's, she makes things so easy to follow um, and to understand, I should say. Yeah. So we're, we're so grateful to you. Thank you so much for being on with us. Yes. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you. So I would just really love to thank Stephanie for being on today and pouring into us this knowledge on how to show up for our, for our youth athletes and how to help fuel them and do the right things. I know it's very confusing sometimes and we hear a lot of things. So I really want to have a lot of gratitude for Stephanie for showing up today and sharing that. And also just like reminding us about, you know, how important fueling our bodies are and how important it is to get back in the kitchen as a family, as as often as we can, even if it's just starting off, like Danielle said, one day a week, not forgetting that, you know, that is, that's the communal place, right? That's where we have conversations and to bring kids in. I think we forget about that. I got to hurry up and get the dinner on the table and, but to bring the kids in and say, help me with this. And then they, they become part of healthy food preparation. And of course, if you're cutting up peppers, you're going to maybe dip one in some ranch dressing and stick it in your mouth and see which ones taste better. So I, I love that. And then giving Danielle the whole back, getting her back to nostalgia and she's going to start her little pizza nights at home. I just know it. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and I, yeah, I just think that it's, it's really important to be reminded that, you know, everything, every, you can, you, you do not have to restrict yourself with anything, but you have to be smart most of the time. And timing is everything, you know, when it comes to specialty things like athletes you know, or people that have special needs, like, you know, like, you know, diabetes or like they have some, you know, food allergies and things like that. I love to paying attention because I never even thought about something I ate two days ago could be affecting me today. Yeah. That never has even occurred to me. That was very eye-opening for me as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm all about paying attention to that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one final note, 
if you go to Italy, eat the damn gelato. Eat the damn gelato. I mean, eat all the pasta and drink all, all the, the wine. Exactly. All the wine. Come on, people. Come on now. Let's get it together. Uh, yes. All right. All right. Well, well it's been another great day. We are so happy you're here with us and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>was such a fun episode and we enjoyed that so much we will definitely bring more guests your way uh, we love the interaction and sharing and learning from other people which is so awesome and really you know my takeaway besides the obvious education that we had today is the the really big takeaway for me is come on everybody let's enjoy life it's not about restriction and it's not about you know not being able to enjoy things, you know, especially when it comes to food. Um, you know, food is meant to be enjoyed. Food is community and food is is something that is important for not only making sure that we feel good, you know, and that we're definitely doing the things that are good for our body, but it doesn't mean we, we don't get an opportunity to, you know, branch out and, and enjoy all the little things that we do like. And so I, I you know, just offer this up have fun, love life in moderation, have the one bite, have the glass of wine, have the damn gelato, and have a beautiful day, my friends.